Welcome to season five, the final season of Been There, Done That, a pandemic survival podcast. In this show, we've been talking to some real life experts on how they've been getting through this time filled with unexpected changes, challenges, and still those darn feelings of helplessness. And those experts are everyday people like you and me. Turns out we have been more than prepared for this moment than we ever would have realized. So let's get started and see what we can relearn one last time. So it's Saturday, March 6th. It's a little after 2 p.m. Pacific time. And this is our final interview with the only pair throughout this entire year, right? Like we've talked to people of different ages, people of different ethnic and cultural backgrounds, people in different geographic areas. But the one thing that's also been something that's unique that should be noted is that we also have had one couple that we've interviewed as a couple, right? Like I interview Emily and she's my partner, but like no one's interviewing us as like, you know, uh, a dynamic duo, if you will, Mm -hmm. the way that I've been interviewing the two of you. And we started um, actually, I said the two of you, but nobody knows who the two of you are. So <laughs> Olivia and Clark is who we're talking to today. And we started out a year ago talking about the two of you at that time living in Reno, the same city that, that I'm in. And we talked a lot about the fact that the two of you were adapting and trying to figure out how to move things with the Girl Scouts, because that was the work primarily that y'all were doing that we were talking about. And then this thing happened where you two moved. And so you don't even live here anymore. You don't live in Reno. You don't live in Nevada. You're in Washington, correct? No, you're in Oregon. No, Washington. Yeah. Here's the state of Washington. Yes. And, um, and that's because Clark was going to start a master's program for um, teaching, but not just any kind of teaching, like teaching in the outdoors and the elements. And, and so then you decided, yeah, I'm going anyways. And so you, you've both moved to Washington. And the last time that we spoke, we were starting to hear stories about what it was like for the two of you to have these very different experiences in education. So Clark, you were already outdoors um, working with young people. Um, and then Olivia, it, you were working at a like boys and girls club, um, mm-hmm. helping young you know, elementary school age children basically get dropped off by their parents because their parents are going to work and they are doing remote class together in a space in the boys and girls club. And you talked about how there was a playground that was just like across the street, but they weren't allowed to play on it, even though nobody (laughs) was in school yet. Right. So we had these very different sort of education um, opportunities and experiences based on class, based on race, um, based on, you know, access to these different kinds of programs. And so now this is our final interview and I'm trying to figure out how to wrap up all of the things that we've talked about, because also in there, we talked about the fact that before y'all moved and we had, you know, participated in a car march during the summertime about Brianna Taylor and these, like that moment of these horrific notes being left on your car by someone who was probably in Washington DC on January 6th. Right. And so there's all these different connective tissues to things. And so let me just stop and just check in first and see how are the two of you doing? And now that things are kind of moving from winter to spring, the other thing that meant that we sort of talked about in our last interview was like some sort of, you know, seasonal geographic, not so fun, happy feelings as you weren't in a sunshine, dry state anymore to a saturated with humidity and moisture all the time and mostly dark (laughs) and rainy place, right? So just how are you doing? How is Washington and the Seattle area treating you? Um, And is there any other sort of like big moments or things to note that have happened to the two of you or individually over the last two months since we last talked. So just a general, how's it going? Um, I'm gonna say that like I, okay, so I've loved the rain since I was a child. I was always like, I'm gonna move somewhere rainy. Um, 
and I heard from people like honestly all growing up to the point like right when we moved people were like people move from the desert they move to Seattle and they get depressed <laughs> in the rain and I was like no that will not happen to me I love the rain um there is a big difference between knowing it will rain every day and experiencing it raining for weeks straight um it has been hard honestly um harder winter than I I mean there's also like how much of it is the pandemic um you know the general state of things um but it definitely has been harder on my mental state than I anticipated it's very exciting we're moving into spring now um I have been enjoying working in the rain though actually I feel like I'm much more comfortable being outside in the rain now um got all the gear jumping in puddles um but yeah it's 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 been kind of hard, but I, I, I'm feeling, I would say I'm good overall in this moment. Can, can I ask you a quick follow-up on that, Clark? And then, and then definitely want to hear all about how you're doing, Olivia, which is that, you know, we're hearing right now, and I think many of us are experiencing this now, that moment of when you see in television shows and movies where someone's like holding on to a, a, a ledge by their like fingertips and, and the focus, the camera focuses in on their fingers as they start to get tired and they like lose their ability to like hold on to that grip. Like we have been holding on to the cliff edge for a year and the fingers are getting tired. The body is getting tired. So I want to ask, you said it's, you know, it's been different. It's been more difficult, you know, being in, in the rain in Seattle in a different climate and environment, but it's also the pandemic and, and all these things. Like, so let's not talk about potentially what could be the root cause because there's so many things that it could be. <laughs> and all of those things could also just be compounded. I want to know, how does it feel different? How do you know that it's different? What does it feel like that makes it harder? What does harder feel like? Um, I, so I, I have never experienced previously anything that I feel could be described as like seasonal depression or that kind of, kind of thing. Um, but I just like the, the, okay. How do I describe the difference between what I have felt on these like sunny days that have started to come through as opposed to like weeks of rain? Um, definitely moody, a little, a little, a little meaner, um, <laughs> unnecessarily, um, mm -hmm. on, in the stretches of rain and just a, a, a greater sense of like, oh God, like, I don't know what is to come. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not sure I feel what the point is and doing all the things that I'm mm -hmm. doing, um, more stress over, just control of uh I don't know the people around me of like oh god here are all these bad things that I feel like I need to have some control over um and just the over overwhelm of that and the inability to um compartmentalize as well whereas then the sun comes out and I'm like oh <laughs> you know I just kind of feel like your body lift up <laughs> and you're like oh I feel like a little flower um and be like you know what no there are there are good things I'm doing good things I like am making an impact other people are there are good people out there doing good things where there's hope <laughs> so the sun like the sun is really key for you like is it the warmth or is it the brightness it's the sun. It is the sun. The warmth, I, I am okay with the cold. Oh, because when it snowed, definitely also there was, like, I I didn't feel the same. Like, I felt better when it snowed for two days than in the rainy weather. It um, was, like, three days of snow. Flag. Okay. Because um, I'd also been missing that. I was like, oh, I love the snow. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's definitely the brightness as opposed to, I don't, I don't mind. I like cold weather. I'd rather be colder yeah. than too hot. Um, but it is the brightness. Is the snow in Washington state, the same kind of snow feeling in Reno where when, they, when it dumps, like there is like this massive light, even though it's like two or three in the morning, it's like super dark, but it's like so bright because the white is reflecting off of the white. Like, it's just, it's like you're inside a big white box. Is yes. it like that? Yeah. 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 But it's less bright than in 
Nevada because the next day it's still overcast. Like Nevada when it snows, the next day the sun comes out and you're like, I can't go outside without like yeah. sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you definitely feel like you're up at the slopes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for sharing that, Clark, because I think that that's, that's super important, right? Like what is it about the elements that make things happen? And this totally makes sense on how you're describing it. Why people who live in, in spaces where the seasonal depression kind of stuff is a thing, they get these lights, you know, these mm-hmm. special kinds of lamps and lights so yeah. that it's the brightness that is really the energy that's sort of missing. Have you purchased one of these lights? No, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've talked about it. Haven't done it. Haven't purchased yeah. my plants either. Kind of slashing in the light area. <laughs> <laughs> well, now if there's any incentive to not slack in the light area, I think we just we just landed landed it. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, so Olivia, are you two meaner, moodier, and feeling some potential <laughs> downness with the weather? Well, I saw a tweet yesterday. And it was like, you never think about um, having seasonal depression until it hits March and you feel like you've taken a party drug. And that's kind of how I feel right now. I kind of feel like I took a party drug. Yeah, yeah. The sunshine's amazing like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was just like this past week, I've been like going to work and I'm like, I feel great. Like I can go do something like this is great. (laughs) And then I was like, wow, huh. Because I hadn't been feeling that before. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I feel pretty good. Yeah. And Anything uh, else over the last few months? Any other highlights other oh, than feeling playground. better now? So update on the playground situation. It's in the back of the school. Like it's the playground at the school. Mm-hmm. They opened it. We got to use the playground. <gasps> but for like maybe a month and a half. And now they closed it again to do repairs. But we got to use the gym. And now the playground's reopened. So we get the playground and the gym. What? I'm very excited. Yes. And, 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 and so what happened with the kids? Like, I'm excited. I clearly, you were excited, but what happened when the kids got to go to the oh, playground? Oh, they Can were so that? happy. They like, yeah, we played tag every day. I thought they would get tired of tag after maybe like a couple of days. Every day they were like, Olivia, can you play tag with us? Olivia, tag, you're it. Come play with us. Like, oh, wait, tag doesn't need a playground. <laughs> but it's not as fun in the front yard because you can't go <laughs> climb up the slide oh, and like slide yes. back down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah, so the playground is utilized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. way less fun without an obstacle course. Yeah. To get <laughs> so around. is it possible? Is it possible that the kids being able to go to the playground and seeing their faces and seeing that like emotional shift, would the two of you liken that to maybe the shift that has happened to you as adults with the sunshine? Is the sunshine your new playground? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So got an update on the playground. Definitely, Brandy you know, question. there's some there's some sunshine now the weather is changing and i'm curious because you all live in washington state now but you're both in the education working world what's the vaccine status of the two of you almost everybody well not everybody i know but a lot of people i know in reno are currently vaccinated i am not yet we just became eligible um i have a tentative appointment one of the kids i work with her mom might be able to come in and vaccinate us sometime this month but we just like last week all educators became um eligible but we have not had any doses yet which is crazy being in washington that we are slower to get it than in nevada (laughs) yeah i mean part of it though what's super interesting is that before you moved there 
Washington and the Seattle area was like the epicenter. Do you remember at the beginning of the year, at the beginning yeah. of shelter in place, before New York went off, it was Seattle and Washington that mm-hmm. was the city that had the most cases and they yeah. were struggling the most, all these nursing homes like and the things. Then it goes off, to yeah. then it goes to New York. So Washington, New York, and then it was in California. It's still there. Then it was Texas and Florida, right? Like these big sort of big urban spaces. Yeah. Dense population is where things were struck the most. And the thing about Nevada is that nobody lives here. Like (laughs) comparatively, right? Like we're the biggest little city and there's a lot of, uh, there's an urban, urban esque area, right? But no one really lives in the entire state. Um, 85% of the entire state in terms of like physical land is used by the government and nobody lives there, right? So we actually have a very small population. And so, yeah, we're giving out that vaccine and people are getting vaccinated so fast because nobody lives here. But in Washington, there's a lot of people. So it's going to take longer for you to get through the first tiers of people than here, right? Yeah, it was interesting though, like not being eligible until like just this last week when like Mm -hmm. we have pretty much been working in person throughout um that like we had to wait to be eligible I think like because I don't actually remember how it worked because I just knew I wasn't eligible so I wasn't paying that much attention but like it was interesting that other people who may not have been working in person or like in childcare situations right. we're getting it before us but now we can get it <laughs> yeah yeah i'm so excited for you um and and when you get it you know at this point we have three different kinds of versions of the vaccine so which one will you even get when it's your turn will you get the johnson and johnson one and done <laughs> will you get the moderna like sometimes seen out there as the strongest one but people have the worst reactions to it yeah. will you get pfizer which is sort of the middle of the road the light version you know it, it comes with its own chaser it goes down smoother you know like <laughs> i don't i don't i don't know what's going to happen um but i i'm so excited about you getting it and you know what's funny is that it seems like in this podcast since this is the last season every time i talk to someone one of two things happens right after our interview, our last interview. One, people get COVID or two, they get the vaccine. And so <laughs> we like, we miss talking about these things, right? In the end, I'm hoping that we're all vaccinated yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that these things happen. Um, but it's really, really interesting, like what happens immediately after. So I hope what happens immediately after I'm putting the energy in there right now, immediately after this interview, vaccine. you will very quickly get the vaccine. vaccine. Um, but you know, what's super interesting is that to your point, Olivia, the two of you have been working out with people, the majority of this year, and you haven't gotten COVID. I know. What's your I secret? Think, I don't know. I, part of it. I, at least I'm really grateful in my workplace. I think that we have very good like COVID procedures and the fact that I'm able to work outside um, means that that is very much limited the risk. Like we did have a COVID scare at my job, which I was very frustrated about. It was right after Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. And we didn't go to Reno for Christmas. Um, we chose to stay up here. Um, but I like worked break camp after Christmas. And then my, my bosses were like, oh, someone had COVID at break camp. So I was like, I, if I get COVID from someone else, doing what I specifically did not do to try to keep people safe. I was going to be very angry, but no one else got it. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though someone came who like, but we still had to quarantine. We didn't still have to quarantine, but no, like it it was, it was a very positive sign for me of like that, that we were doing something right in my workplace that we were with this person for six hours and no one else um, became sick. Um, so I think that I'm very lucky to be working outside and having that minimized risk. I don't know how I have not gotten COVID. My brother is currently getting over COVID right now, but mm. he works in a restaurant in Vegas. So like I can, there's a million ways that he could have gotten it, I think. Um, but I, I think part of that too is like not working in the service industry because we have a set amount, like set kids that come and like we ask them their screening questions every day and like their parents are aware of what we're doing and like not yeah. having just random people who are like walking into a restaurant who may like be improperly masked, maybe already sick, like 
whatever they're doing. I think that that's been a really big part, like not having a restaurant job or something. Because Clark, you mask up Mm -hmm. and are outside and I'm assuming because you're outside and masked up and depending on what you're, you know, facilitating in that learning environment that you probably get closer than just six feet apart from time to time. And in fact, maybe most of the time, Um, but you're also outdoors and you have masks. Are all the students also wearing masks? Yes, all the students are required to wear masks um, unless they're six feet apart from everyone. Um, which sometimes is a struggle because we've got yeah. five-year-olds who are like getting a five and a six-year-old to consistently remember to put on a mask. It, they're honestly generally pretty good about it. So it's been hard to walk the line between like constantly like reminding the kids to mask up and reminding them to keep their distance. And like we, I don't think technically are supposed to be doing things like holding hands or like giving hugs, but like there's just some instances when you're working with kids where you're like, that is what they need emotionally. Um, mm-hmm. so it's been, we've been walking that line between like that, that physical safety and the, yeah. Right, for the emotional well-being yeah. of children. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I can imagine that it's gotta be really, really hard to be in an, in an education setting and have someone as young as four or five. And those are the years that even if you didn't have masks on and there wasn't COVID, like life is just hard when you're four or five and everything's new and I, and I got to go to the bathroom and I'm supposed to keep my hands clean and I can't pick my nose and I can't have my fingers in my mouth and I can't be mean and I'm supposed to be nice and I have to stay in a line (laughs) and I have to get out of the car and I'm still in a booster seat. And now I got to put on a mask and now I have to cough this way. And now I also can't hug you or get, touch or get that kind of like emotional support if I'm just having a rough one like you know that's that's hard to be like no you got to stay far away and I can't touch you or comfort you as you're learning about how to navigate all these things so I could see how there's a line that you feel the need like in that instant moment of like you know cost benefit you know could I maybe get sick? Yes. Could you maybe get sick? Yes. Are because we're constantly in masks and aware of all these things, like, aren't we maybe safer right now? Like all these, you know, hard moments. And, and I can imagine that having to make that call has both of those things. It feels like the right call and it feels like the scariest call to make at the same time. Um, But then the fact that nobody gets sick because of it, like, what does that do? Clark specifically, does that make you feel like all of this has been for nothing? Like the extra precautions, you know, like when we test the limits and we learn that the test, you know, is producing safety, like, does this then feel like this is working? So we should keep wearing masks and doing these things, or does it maybe start to make that like strictness, that strict line harder to uphold? Oh, it's a lot of cognitive dissonance in there of like, yeah, like very much like, uh, like, yes, this has been working. Like, I can see for myself, like, I have not been sick at all since last March. So I'm like, wow. And I'm usually sick fairly frequently. So yeah. flu, like, every year. For the past, like, three years, except for now, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, on the one hand, it is like, okay, wow, this this is working. And, yeah, with the scare, it was like, this is working. How to keep doing this. But there, there was that. And they're like, okay, maybe... I, there was very much the impulse there to like, ah, it's, it's okay. Um, and Olivia was talking about the other day, excuse me, as things start to open back up, it, it also feels so strange to be like looking at people like sitting in a restaurant and being like, am I the one who's, who's crazy here? Like, am I doing this for no reason? It's been hard to um keep all that straight in the brain <laughs> and find the, the, the right path to do things I don't know sorry that's a convoluted answer but it's got convoluted in my brain yeah yeah I mean what 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 do you what are your thoughts on this Olivia like are you having moments where you're like 
like what Clark was saying, like, am I the silly one for being, am I, am I to judge myself for being over precautious? Do they know something that I don't know? And then also because these vaccines are rolling out, you know, we just, we don't wear, uh, we don't get a tattoo that says I got a vaccine yeah. and people aren't, and people, you know, it's been a hard line. Like I bought a sign for the front of our house that says we got vaccinated. Cause I was like promotion. Like I want other people to get vaccinated, but then we took it down because then we were like, Oh, were we bragging? Like, oh. because not everybody can get it. Is this messed up? Mm -hmm. So we took it down. And so like, when you see people in a restaurant, you're like, wait, are you vaccinated? Or are you not? Right? Like, because yeah. we're so unequal with everything right now, it's hard to know, should I judge you? Should I judge myself? Why am I judging anyone? Like, but that judgment is what has kept us safe, because there's been no federal and universal yeah. guidelines. We've had to, you know, do this for ourselves. Like, so what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, that's the way I felt. It's kind of like, I mean, yeah, I said that the other day, but I've also found like, I don't know, I feel that shame as a like political tool has kind of been something that I've been like, I don't really think that we should be doing this, but it's also, yeah, it has been working for some cases to keep people like force them into more accountability, but then it makes me think like, well, what is the point of me shaming just maybe a few individuals when the real issue is that the federal government pretty much abandoned us all and the state governments too, just to like let this grow into something crazy. So just like trying to figure that out within myself. Cause my, I want to like look at those people and judge them and be like, why the fuck are you eating in a restaurant? Like I haven't eaten a room who knows how long, like that would be really nice to do. But then to also think about, well, it is like the state that is and the governor who's allowing this to be open. So like, shouldn't I direct this towards him instead or like in addition to um, directing it at these people? I don't know. It's complicated. No, but that is that is a super fair and important point, I think, as we're wrapping up this year and looking back, like who has the ultimate power here? Yeah. to open or close that choice that people do or don't make that could be harmful for all of us, right? Like, is the power in shaming individuals because they're the longest hanging fruit, if you will, because they're right there yeah. in front of us and it's us? Or do we try and hold accountable folks who have that kind of power in the government or business owners even yeah. for, for making those rules disappear or, or exist to begin with, you know? And so it's it's been yeah. super and then you've got, you know, the idea of shame being used politically for the last few years in what folks call in a pejorative or positive way, like the cancer culture, right? Like, yeah, you know, I heard something interesting. This, this um, political pundit on the news was saying, like, I'm down for cancel culture because I'm down for canceling rent, canceling tuition. Canceling <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think that there's there's different kinds of ways of talking about shame and 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 cancel culture and all of that. But, you know, I'm talking to two queer folks who know about like a queer theory and a queer ethos and way of being. And you're also in education trying to queer up, you know, what education and learning can be like and representation your schools. You're yes. going to make your kids gay. <laughs> <laughs> the recruitment fear. Here it comes. Yeah. But I'm wondering, like, so what, what is a queer theory analysis of this last year in terms of if, if we could have queered up a political community response to this, what would that look like? Is it punitive? Is it this way versus that way? Is it holding the state accountable? Is it, what does it look like? Because in an education setting, once y'all go through your, your theory and, you know, practice of being educators, there is the theory of the kind of classroom that you want to have, your learning yeah. environment. Is it punitive or is it positive and incentivized, right? Do you say, that's the way I want you to behave. That's the way I want our classroom to work. Reward, reward, reward. Mm -hmm. Or is it, these are the rules of class. And if you don't follow these rules, there are consequences. So is it purely consequences as punitive or is it purely consequences as reward? Like in the 1919, you know, Spanish flu, they knew folks weren't following things. And so there was all this propaganda and promotion and communications plan about being patriotic. Mm -hmm. So the incentive was there. There's an award, there's a reward, right? Like we are being patriotic. We are doing our patriotic duty. 
And there were people who were fined and there was punitive. So there was both here. We've only seen punitive. We mm-hmm. have not seen people be rewarded for wearing a mask other than we're still alive. So <laughs> what, what would be the querying version of this? It's oh, a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it what y'all are doing? Because is, is queering of this situation to not have a dichotomy, always wear a mask, always stay six feet apart, no touching versus you can not wear a mask and touch whoever you want. Like, is it not so cut and dry? Is it more the example of what you were talking about, Clark, of having the mask, staying six feet apart, but when, when it's needed, like you've got to bend the rules, so to speak. Yeah, I think that, but like with added of like putting that pressure onto the people who can actually make the difference for all of us instead, like, you know, like, it, it is maybe to an extent, it's useful to be like, hey, why aren't you wearing a mask? But like, ultimately, that is one person. And does that even like punishing them? Does that even push them towards actually wanting to do the thing? In my mm-hmm. experience, no, if somebody tells me to do something, I want to do the opposite. And I know that's also just a me having issues with authority thing. But like, I, I know not a lot of people feel the same way. And like, so just directing that maybe like the guy in the grocery store was his mask like down his chin to just be like, hey, pull that up, bro. Um, But to also take that energy and be like the people who are in charge, who have who knew that this was going to happen and like haven't done anything to protect any of us. Like, let's go for them instead of just the guy in the grocery store who is an asshole too though well because what's super interesting about that example about you know the person in the grocery store is that you know who who are we getting mad at we're getting mad at the person who's wearing the mask incorrectly yeah more so than the person who's not wearing the mask at all right and so because you look at the person who's not wearing a mask at all and you go i can't do anything with you because clearly you're not wearing it but that person who has it on at the chin or below the nose, you're like, clearly you wanted to. So I'm going to talk to you about it because maybe you don't know that it has fallen down. Yeah. But like, you know what I'm saying? So like, there's this weird thing, like we don't go off on the person not wearing it, but we do on the person who's wearing it, but not correctly. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I think I, I um, my, my first thought when you said that, which at risk of, I know there's been a lot of talk of like, here are things we can draw from like AIDS activism here, th- like comparisons that we can't draw, but thinking about um, activists being like, like pioneering, like safe sex and stuff like that and being like, we mm-hmm. don't have to be like, oh, either you have to be like celibate or you are going to die. get AIDS and die. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like finding that, like recognizing yeah. people's emotional needs, um, and caring for people and yeah i i don't think because shame i don't know it is i i can see that like shame sometimes i guess i feel i don't feel shame as a motivator but like sometimes not not guilt is not exactly what i'm looking for um mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm trying to think of what word um empathy maybe <laughs> yeah better. see that's why i don't like guilt is because guilt doesn't change your mind maybe it changes mm. your actions but it doesn't change your mind like you still mm. are thinking about things the, in the exact same way you just are feeling pressure from the people around you or whatever to change your behavior but you may still think like oh i think that masks are bullshit and i don't want to wear it but i'm gonna wear it because otherwise somebody's gonna yell at me so like yes you're changing your behavior and yeah, that is helpful, but it doesn't change your overall attitude. Yeah, and I think, yeah, like being gentle with community members and thinking about like, okay, where, yeah, like just like with, with kids, where do we need to sometimes cross that line to make sure that people are supported in other ways, like emotionally. It's like we had to deal with, like we had to consider those things when we were in Reno and had like, you know, people are going through a hard time. It's emotionally difficult. So like, do you go to a friend's home and comfort them and help them through something um i don't know i feel like that that yeah that is bring it finding those lines and actively caring for other people yeah um, the ways that they need maybe the real queering was the friends we made along the way 
<laughs> no, but no, but this is this is all super important. Like everything we're talking about right now, this is the this is the long-term conversation. This is the conversation that had it been a long-term conversation leading up to COVID, we probably would have weathered this storm much better. Yeah. And so we can we can anticipate that these kinds of diseases and viruses are just going to continue to happen. So how do we use this moment to really lean into it and be prepared? And, and during the height of you know an AIDS crisis, at least in the United States, because those heights might still be in existence right now in other countries and other parts okay. of the world, like at least in the height in the United States, the added benefit of wearing a condom to per prevent, you know, transmitting and getting, you know, HIV or AIDS was that you also didn't get other STDs. Yeah. And for folks who were practicing, you know, uh, heterosexual sex, like had the benefit of it being also birth control besides yeah. prevention of all these other things. And mm -hmm. so now as, as the quote threat of HIV and AIDS is less potentially in the United States as a whole, not for all communities, but as uh, in general, yeah. you know, we start to see people using condoms less because is HIV is much of a threat. And so now it's back to, well, that's just birth control. And, and we don't even talk about STDs anymore, you know, like, and those are back up again, like some being like really high in particular communities. So I wonder, this is my question for the two of you, when you get the vaccine and let's say we're at a moment where folks say that COVID-19 is at a like zero moment, it's not being transmitted anymore. Y'all talked about not getting sick this last year with wearing masks. Will you continue to wear masks even after COVID-19 is no longer here? Yeah, not everywhere, but I definitely will in like some situations. What are those I, situations? Like if I'm like on the bus, maybe on a plane, because I always get sick when I get off, get off planes, like mm -hmm. in a big crowd of people sometimes. I, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet because I can't even really imagine a world where we <laughs> don't have to wear masks yet. But mm. I feel like I've talked about that before of like, I well, love not being sick and I love that we have this, but the, I worry that like, oh, you're going to wear a mask in public and people are going to be like, oh, COVID's not over. Like, what are you doing? You're being so stupid and like publicly yeah. shame you. But like, if I don't get sick, I don't get sick. That's fine with me. Definitely won't wear a mask at work. Um, no. I want kids to be able to see my face. I'm excited for that in the future. Mm. Um, and I I honestly, I haven't thought too much about it, except for that the one instance in which I do feel I will continue to wear a mask is when I am sick personally. Because I remember mm -hmm. right. even pre-COVID, there were definitely situations in life where like, I was at the grocery store or when I had a stint in food service and I was like, wow, wish I could be wearing a mask right now. Like, mm -hmm. just, like, wish that was a thing that was socially acceptable. Truly, for, like, the couple months I worked in food service, I was sick the whole time. I love wearing a mask. First day there, last day there, sick the whole time. <laughs> I was like, I am getting germs all over everyone's food. This is horrifying. Um, mm -hmm. So instances such as that. Um, but, I, yeah, I think mainly when I'm sick is what I've thought about. I will continue to wear a mask in the future. Um, I don't know besides that. I haven't even, I haven't thought broader. I love wearing a mask in the grocery store. I like being able to talk to myself. Sure. I've also assumed that um, when we hit that moment where it's like, oh, like people can declare over um, that businesses will go back to not allowing like a mask or face cover um, like that. I just assume that eventually we will hit that again. But I don't know if that's the case. You mean that in food service, you'd have to wear a mask the whole time? Oh, no, and, and like, you know, you're like walking on the street and like the corner store says like, you can't come in here if your face is covered. Like, because I think you're going to like rob them or something. Yeah. Like, I just assumed that businesses would go back to that and we wouldn't be able to wear a mask in some of the places I would watch it, but I, I, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Like I hadn't even thought about that Neither. moment where there are, you know, before COVID there were times where like you couldn't have your face covered. Right. Mm -hmm. Like also that same moment, right. Where it's like, it's a, it's a signal and it means something too, when you have your hood up, right. Mm -hmm. That like, you must be dangerous. You must be trying to hide from something versus no, I'm cold or this makes me comfortable. Or I don't know, dare I say it's actually raining. Right. And so mm -hmm. like, you know, would that be the same thing? with covering your face, right? Like, it's so interesting. You could look at somebody who has on like a bandana, uh, you know, from their nose down and 
you could ask people in different historical moments to say, how do you feel about that person? Or what do you assume that why that person has their face covered and be like, it's a bandit. They're a robber. They're an Mm -hmm. anarchist. It's Antifa or it's COVID, right? Like how that symbol meaning changes over time with different cultures or different historical like moments, right? Like I remember going to see an art exhibit and it was a photographer's art exhibit. Um, And they took a lot of pictures of everyday people in Germany in the 30s. And everybody had what I thought was a Hitler mustache. And it turns out that that was just the way men wore their mustaches at the time. Like that was fashionable to just have this tiny little thing here. And I was like, wait, that wasn't just, that wasn't just that fool's style. Like, no, that was like the style of the time. And so this is what I'm talking about. Like at some point people are going to look again, potentially to your point, Clark, of people wearing coverings of their face or masks or a way of shielding that and think to themselves, this is dangerous. Like before COVID-19, did y'all ever see the Watchmen? Because before COVID-19, I saw Watchmen where all the police and whatnot had this like mask covering their face to cover their identity. Mm. Right. And now I look at them and I'm like, yeah, COVID-19. Oh my God. Okay. When you're at a point where you want to stay inside again, because right now it's the sunny time, please go outside as much as you possibly can. When we have to go back to being inside or at night, Start watching The Watchmen. It's going to blow your mind in a million different ways. Um, And I love, Clark, how you also mentioned, you know, you were talking about thinking back to, you know, moments of of historical documentation about other illnesses. And you were talking about, you know, HIV and AIDS. And there was that moment where we weren't sure how it got transmitted. And it was Mm -hmm. brave folks who were like, but people are dying. And sure, I might get it if I'm in contact with this person who's dying from this disease, but I don't want them to die in this way. I don't want them to live their last moments of living alone Mm -hmm. in isolation without touch. And so I'm willing to risk my own health and safety to feed them, to sit with them in hospitals, to to attend them as a medical professional, right? Mm -hmm. Like there were these risks that people were willing to make, not because of what we didn't know, but mostly because of what we did know that that's not how we wanted people to live their last minutes. And that's Mm -hmm. not the way we wanted to live our lives, not being sick, that that's how we would treat people. Right. Mm -hmm. So in these moments where you're like kid crying, kid distressed, and I went and embraced them or gave them some kind of physical contact to let them know that, you know, to reassure them, to calm them down. That's that risky moment of, I'm leaning into not what I don't know, which is that I could maybe get sick or get them sick, but I'm leaning into what I do know, which is that if I don't comfort you, that will also leave a mark. That will also Mm -hmm. cause some kind of pain for both of us that I couldn't help you and that no one could ever help you, right? And so um, I'm wondering what else have the two of you observed, particularly working with young people? Like, what do you think that they aren't learning is different, right? Like they, for some of them, you know, they didn't go to school before COVID. So what do you think is sticking with them? And it's going to be hard as we come out of this moment. What do you think they are unfortunately learning that might not be so great? And what do you think they're learning that is positive, that is actually a good thing that's coming out of this moment? My kids are going to, because I'm with Kenner in first grade right now. The first graders had not a full year of real school. Kenner has never been to real school. It is going to be really hard for them to adjust back. They're used to like school is you sit down in your desk, you plug your headphones in and you pull up Microsoft Teams and then you go through for like an hour or whatever. You get a break, go back on, get another break, you eat, whatever, get another break and then go back. It, I, it's going to be really hard for them, I think, to be in a classroom. Because mm-hmm. I think part of it is they're going to be really excited. Because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a really hard time as it is, like, managing them of, like, hey, I know you want to talk to your friend, but, like, you guys are in a different class and you're on a meeting right now. Like, you got to listen to your teacher or you're not going to know what's happening. Like, come on, <laughs> focus, please. Um, 
they're like when they're in a room with all their peers and their teachers and stuff they're gonna be so happy and I feel a little <laughs> the teachers are gonna have a hard time managing those classrooms but don't you think the teachers too. are also gonna be like super happy like I well, think they're the gonna be so happy yeah, the first couple of days of school, I imagine if you're like in the lower elementary grades, when we are actually They're back into every, yes, it's going to be a week. It's a dance party. You got to get out the wiggles every day. You're like, today we're going to learn about colors as we hop because we got to get out these yeah. wiggles. You know, like it's going <laughs> to be. we're going to chat with our friends all day long. Yes, exactly. Tell your friend every color that you know and try and. <laughs> point at it on this mat is that blue no that's not blue that's right like the like just that entire interaction it's almost as if the kindergartners are going to have to actually redo kindergarten you know because kindergarten is when you learn this is a line here is your desk keep your hands Mm -hmm. to yourself you know it's like but it's in a different orientation now like so but so yeah olivia what's a positive thing that they might leave out of this with oh I think, I mean, I think that's a positive. I think they're going to be like very, well, some are going to be like very open to just like being social. Like they're going to be so social and they're never going to stop talking to each other. I think almost all of them actually, even the shy ones, like the ones they get started, they just, um, what's another positive? I mean, they're like very, very technologically proficient like they figure out how to do stuff on their iPads that I'm like, I have to Google how to do that. I have no idea how they do it. And then they're like, Olivia, I inverted the colors on my iPad. How do I change it back? And I'm like, I don't know. How did you even <laughs> do, that? do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know you could do that. They're yeah. like really technologically proficient. And if we've had to like set it up so that all of their screens are like facing the desk because if we're not like, they're just doing other little things on their ipads and like what are you doing you're six like what does the internet hold for you you need to get out of there Um, so i think that like the curiosity that they have and like they just like yeah being very good at using an ipad is good for them too to an extent yeah 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 clark what do you think are some positives and potential negatives um, I'm hoping a positive that can come from this is like, you know, ideally, I would love to see a whole restructuring of the education system. I don't know that that's going to be on that level, but just like, um, I don't know, I, I heard overheard some of my kids talking, I think in the Seattle school district or one of the school districts locally, um, they have like Wednesday is like a catch up day for some of them where like, there's no work or things like that, that, um, and like I heard them talking, they're like, yeah, like I'll, I'll be able to play and do things tomorrow because it's, it's the catch-up day and I already did all my work. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, so Wednesday is, Wednesday is a very coveted day at my work because a lot of people, they're like, we want to send our kids to this outdoor school on our catch-up mm-hmm. day. So just like, I don't know, I'm hoping that like that kind of structuring, maybe we can see some different kind of structuring there and having more leeway and also maybe like a discussion about the importance of like moving around having like different kinds of of education and different settings for education um i feel like some of my kids i don't know maybe this is tooting my own horn but i think they're gonna miss being able to come and spend a day outside of forest school um yeah and i mean i hope that like yeah like i'm hoping if they're not gonna be able to have like that whole day like there will be some kind of like acknowledgement of like okay school like let's think about all the things that school is beyond just yeah learning facts when, as it has been on the screen um but like what yeah. you said of like the kindergartners are basically gonna like have to repeat kindergarten i do think that's very much gonna be the fact um yeah yeah, yeah a lot of my kids are learning a lot but they're like there's just that many kids i think too that are just not there because that's just not their learning style. And even like our kids are getting interpersonal interactions with other kids. Oh, yeah. Not all kids are, are getting that. And right. That's really going to be right. It's going to be fun. That's super <laughs> interesting. You know, like the families that quote had it the worst 
where parents or family who were their caretakers had to go out and work, right? They, they were the most vulnerable and they had it the worst, had to go to places where they could get the internet and get another adult to help them be in school, but they got the social interaction. Yeah. And the students were the most protected, parents could stay home and work from home and had the most sort of power and privilege, if you will, to stay safe from COVID, maybe ran the risk of having less of that social interaction. So they're struggling in different ways. Like it's like no one's coming out of this completely unscathed. Yeah. You know? There's definitely like little like pods of kids, usually like wealthier kids who are because Clark looked into teaching for one of them. Um because they were gonna pay like $50 an hour or something. Um <laughs> But, like, little pods of, like, what, like, three or four kids um, who are, like, doing their school stuff together and, like, they don't have contact with anybody else outside of their pod. Mm-hmm. So there, mm-hmm. there, there is that privileged thing, too, that people yeah. are doing, which is yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. it's good for the kids, but, like, it's unfortunate that not everybody can do that. Yeah. Well, this just, like, put out um, an announcement that was, like, please don't form these pods because it is going to increase inequity between like the between, uh, between economic groups yeah which was also like which was like i under i understand that um and in, in putting that out but it was also like okay how can you as the school district say like we are not doing enough for these children and so you can't like i hmm. i was hearing people talk about that while I was listening to the podcast Nice White Parents and they were drawing mm-hmm. comparisons between um like pushback to um desegregation of the having to make the choice to be like I can use my privilege to distinctly make a better opportunity for my child I need to choose to I need to specifically choose to not do that in order to create a more equitable society. Like I need to recognize that I can't give my child specifically those benefits. Um, and that is a hard thing for specifically white wealthy parents to do and reckon with. And that, I don't know, I hadn't thought about it exactly in those terms. Um, like the idea that the best thing for you might not be the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it won't be the best for everyone. It's it's mm-hmm. it's that it's that contradiction and that holding of two spaces of there's me and then there's us mm-hmm. and I am still in the us part. So if I can give my child a better, you know, educational opportunity and pull them out of this community school and put them in a private school or put them in a charter school or put them in homeschool or put yeah. them in this situation they are now no longer contributing to this larger, you know, community. And they are also not getting influenced by that larger community. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the beginning of this gap between rich and poor and the gap between black and white and the gap between what we do or don't know. And then the expectation is, well, when you go to college, you'll have to interact with all of these different kinds of people. And that's when you'll really blossom. And it's yeah. like, no, those kids struggle the most because they don't, they're like, no, I don't fit with the others. I just have to be with my own. Mm-hmm. I am so angry. Sorry. The, I just- the new middle school in Reno that is up by Huntsberger Elementary School should not exist. I'm very angry that it is there. I don't know the exact demographics, but I'm certain that it has uh, just made the segregation in Reno worse. So that area, they've been actively but, trying to combat like multifamily housing there like for multiple years. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the fact that like even those kids like who would go to Huntsberger and then Pine, um, Huntsberger Pine going like at least they got a, some sense of, of desegregated schooling in Pine and now they will not be and that is just horrifying for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's super super intense but what you're describing is what happened on a macro level across the globe right now with this pandemic you know Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the the closing down of borders the not mixing the staying at home the shelter in place these restaurants open over in this state not open in that state. So it mm-hmm. meant that so many people left where they were living or where they were going to school to go to a different state that was more open, 
Mm. Right. And so then you get all these different dynamics at play, like what you just described in the school setting is what we're experiencing across the country, across the state and across the globe. And so if we were talking about inequalities before and that gap, that 99% versus the 1%, now it's now it's like the 999% versus the, you know, like 0.1%. And that spread is just so wide and, and vast. I have a final question then for the two of you, because we've been talking for a minute and we've gone everywhere. And this is our wrap up moment. You know, I asked the two of you at the beginning of the podcast a year ago, what this shelter in place, who knows what's happening, life and death, everything's up in the air moment reminded you of. And you had different, you know, examples and thoughts about it. And now you've lived a year in this pandemic. And so you have new ways and skills and thoughts and ideas and feelings about how to get through a hard moment. And you're both pretty young, which is also pretty rad. You're in the, you're in the middle part of, you're not a kid, you're not in elementary school, but you know what the effects of that can be. That's why you went into this kind of work and you're on your way into even more adulting, which is even scarier. I got to tell you, it only gets worse um, and better. But mostly <laughs> It, it only gets worse. It's only downhill from college, but no, no, no. it can be really cool. It can be really great. I, I, I love the two of you so much. Okay. So here's the question. I want you to imagine that you were talking to your future selves. It could be nephews and nieces that you might have who might someday listen to this. It might be your own children. It might just be you. Um, it might be the two of you separately. It might be the two of you together still as, 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 you know, partners, like what would you tell yourselves or what would you want to tell others who are important to you? Should they encounter a moment like this again in the future? How did you get through this last year? What did you do to get through this moment? Okay. I'm worried this might be like a trite, so that's the word I was looking for. Cheesy? Maybe. I don't know. Um, just like the expected answer. Um, but I, I don't know, I look around at all, all the like mutual aid work and such that has happened. And I really think that is like a key thing. Um, oh my gosh, sorry. I said that in my, my mind went blank. Um, but for, for supporting, like, I don't know, just being in, in community, not even just on, um, physical meeting like need necessary needs like groceries and everything that one needs to live um but just also on an emotional level like you need that community connection to get through these things um which i think has been one of the parts of like being up here as a poster and i was like wow establishing connections in this time has really been a struggle and like really also like emphasized how important that is um but yeah mm. just just diving into to being there for like your community and making those connections um for yourself and others um and letting yourself be open to to what you need um from others too and just being being gentle with yourself and other people because nothing that we do is going to be perfect and sometimes Mm -hmm. people are going to be going through hard things and do things that are not necessarily the right thing for themselves and others and just being gentle with them and i i don't know i always have a lot of judgment towards myself and others going on in my head but i'm constantly trying to 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 comment and just remembering to do that and remembering to think about what people are going through and where they're coming from and how we can actually help each other be better and it's not through through being cruel or, or judging each other but to to Helping, helping each other forward in the little ways we can. There we go. Uh, I would tell myself, I feel like I've been struggling with apathy this whole time. Is it's really hard to not just feel burnt out by every new horrible thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would tell myself to like, always be like trying to find something to be hopeful for 
um, something to look forward to or something that like inspires me to care and to not feel like I'm just letting all of the bad things just wash over me and just to be in a sea of other bad things. So now Um, the two of you have gone through this moment together. Do you have any lessons that you would remind yourselves as a couple when you go through another, oh my gosh, there's a world pandemic happening. We were going (laughs) to go to school. We had all these plans. I guess our plans are having to change because I got to tell you, as you keep adulting, and if the two of you continue adulting together, there are going to be more moments just like this one. <laughs> so, so what are the lessons as a couple? Like, how does a couple go through a really hard outside of themselves moment? Like, how did, how did basically, how did the two of you not break up during this? <laughs> oh, we just became a little codependent. That's how. <laughs> Okay, I've always been codependent. That's always okay. Thing I need to work on. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. it got worse. Um. <laughs> I mean, don't, but is that codependent? Is that co- codependent? Is that codependent or is that mutual aid on a very singular <laughs> level? I think it's codependent when you have to be in the same room with each other all the time. I'd say sometimes. I I say sometimes codependent, sometimes mutual aid. I, I, to your question there. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be necessarily codependent for someone who's not, uh, already, what's the word I'm looking for? Prone to that? Oh, yeah, um, no, I'm not. So, yeah. But, um, for someone who does have those, those two, it's something to like prepare for. And you have to ask yourself that then, like, as you're going through things, like, is this mutual aid or is this codependent? I think the most important thing in, like, being with somebody through something hard is you have to genuinely just like each other. Like, we just, like are just friends too so like you just it hasn't been like a struggle because we're just also friends first of all be in a relationship with someone you are friends with yeah um but also i don't know i'm constantly reminding me trying to remind myself to not be so selfish i i don't know i can't these are some things where i'm like i want this and i'm going to make this happen and this is what will be best and you know having to step back and think about that having me remind myself to you know it's very easy to lash out even like we talked about lash out at the person not wearing easy to lash out at the one person who's been in front of you in your face for the whole uh, (laughs) pandemic even if they're not responsible for any of the things that right um right yeah we both both like trying to combat that with yourself and recognizing that sometimes that's going to happen from the other person and maybe being able to take a step back and be like right right there it is there it is that's the secret sauce right there (laughs) because other things are going to happen and you're going to the lowest closest hanging fruit is going to bear the brunt of all of those feelings and all of those things and Mm -hmm. the person who's bearing it has to be on the other side of it going is this really about laundry? Is this really about ordering groceries right now? Is that what this is really about? Like you, have to, you have to learn to ask that question. Is yeah. this what this is really about though? Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, eventually after some crying, it gets surfaced. No, it's not about no. this. But you also have to be in a space to be willing to ask and to remember this isn't, don't take this personally. Don't take this personally. Yeah, this yeah. That's what it's about you. You know, I was uh, gonna say that the not taking things personal. <laughs> yeah, and and just to be clear, I am taking a trip in a week to go see my mom since mm-hmm. she is vaccinated and I am awesome. vaccinated. I haven't seen her in almost a year, and I usually see her multiple times in a year. And so I'm going to leave Emily for ten days. Wow! And I have to tell you, we are both kind of freaking out about whether or not we can be apart for 10 days yeah. because we have not been apart for more than 10 minutes, you know, like in the last yeah. year. Right. Yeah. So I will let you know yeah, if I, I know. 10 days or if I stay away for two days and I have to come home. Like, I don't, I don't know what that's going to be like. And I, I think many couples are trying to figure out who have, who've been so, mutual aid codependent stuck at home together like what is that separation moment like is it going to be like ah freedom 
Or is it going to be a little bit of that with a little bit of, I wonder what they're doing. Maybe I should call. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I saw my sister for like two days and I was away from Clark and I just texted Clark all the time. Look at this thing I'm eating. You really like this. <laughs> yes. Look at this thing I'm doing. You should be here. You should be here. It's really yeah. sad that you're not here. I'm coming home. Yeah. I was like, this. oh, look at what we're doing right now. I'm like, look at how cool this is. You'd think this is really cool. Yeah. And this takes us full circle because what happens when you love somebody, whether it's romantic or not, when you have that connection, what happens is they become your son. And Aww. so when you're feeling a little low, you realize, oh, I should just call or get near or spend time with this person because they bring me that sunshine. They remind me that like, oh, things are great. Things are wonderful, you know? And so I think the key goal here is to find out what your son is and to find as many sons as you possibly can so that it isn't just this one thing that'll do it, but it's many things that have the possibility to remind us that maybe things are okay and maybe things are all right. And so I want to thank the two of you for being my son the last year. And I hope that we can continue to find ways to bring that sunshine and that warmth and that light to each other as we You've been listening to Been There, Done That, your pandemic survival podcast sponsored by the New Economy Coalition, a membership-based network representing the solidarity economy movement in the United States. Visit NEC at neweconomy.net. Until next time, I'm your host, Felicia Perez. Stay well and stay human.